0: This little sandwich of stories is so rich, it's so pregnant with potential insights into the nature of God and God's relationship with human beings, especially people on the margins, that it's hard to pick just one preaching angle to go with. Stepping to turn this sermon into an hour-long lecture... Going verse by verse into these simple yet sophisticated verses exploring, among other things, gender dynamics, health care, family systems, the nature of power, and the essence of faith. So sit back, relax, we'll be here. No, I wouldn't do that to you. I hear there's a, there's a big sporting event today, even though most of you don't have a vested interest in it. But I won't let, I won't do that to you. No, go get a snack first, then come back, and then we'll start. (laughs) Just kidding. This text is rich with meaning, though. And there are no end to the potential ways to preach it. So let's explore one aspect of it together with this question. What does it mean to be a member of Jesus' family? Remember back to Mark chapter 2, which we read on January 12th. In that chapter, Jesus addresses a paralyzed man. You remember the story. Four friends take a paralyzed man, and they dig through Jesus' house. They dig through the roof to lower him by Jesus because the crowd is so great. There's no way to get in. And then when Jesus sees the man, he says, son, your sins are forgiven. He addresses him as son. Son. He declares that his sins are forgiven, and then, in response to the doubts of the religious leaders, he says, "Take up your mat and walk." Before the declaration of forgiveness, before the healing, Jesus declares this man to be part of his family, son. Skip ahead to chapter three. Jesus' family comes to fetch him, and he believes him. To, they believe him to be crazy. So the crowd tells Jesus that they're looking for him, and Jesus, with words which no doubt would have broken his mother's heart, tells the crowd, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. In those two examples, the key to being a member of Jesus' family seems to be receptivity. Receptivity. Receptivity to Jesus' words. The paralyzed man can't even move. That doesn't stop Jesus from calling him son. And for sure, Jesus says that doing the will of God marks one as a member of his family. But what exactly is the crowd doing when Jesus says that? Nothing. Well, they are doing something, they are listening. They're listening to Jesus' words. They're, they're hearing his teaching. Receptivity and openness to the one who comes as God in flesh is the mark of a daughter or son of Jesus. And we see this in our reading today. Jesus crosses the lake back into Jewish territory and there's the crowd just waiting for him. Like where they left off, they're waiting for him. A leader of the synagogue named Jairus begs Jesus to heal his daughter at the point of death. Or as the Greek has it, she is at the last. For the sake of comprehensible English. And this is a little grammar lesson, but I thought it was so interesting. The, verb, the Greek verbs to come and to lay have been translated as commands. Come and lay your hands on her. But they're not commands. Because Jairus is begging He's begging. He's not commanding. He says something like, So that once you have come, you might lay your hands on her and that she might be healed. Like any parent who loves his or her child, Jairus is desperate. So they go and on the way, a woman who has been suffering from bleeding for 12 years is working up her courage. She knows... She knows that Levitical law has consequences should she touch someone. This ongoing flow of blood, this ongoing bleeding has made her a social outcast. Isolated, no doubt, from her family and friends. She too is desperate. She has tried everything. And you can imagine, medical care in those days, she spent everything she's had on bad medical care. And you can picture it. She's saying to herself over and over again as she navigates through the crowd, if only I touch his clothes, I will be made well. If only I touch his clothes, just his clothes, I will be made well. No, she's not supposed to do this to anyone, especially not a man, and super especially not a man who is a well-known preacher and healer. But she is driven to transgress those boundaries of purity. She crosses over every boundary, the boundaries between clean and unclean, between woman and man, between wholeness and illness, between loneliness and community, to get to Jesus. Now, Lutherans will say, and rightly so, that we don't come to Jesus. Jesus comes to us. Lutherans, especially Lutheran pastors, often have a quick reaction to anything that might sound that we have to do anything for our own health and salvation. Because after all, it's God's grace that saves, not we ourselves. So let me suggest this, at the risk of reading into the text, but I don't care, I think it's here. (laughs) something's propelling this woman forward there's something drawing her to Jesus and it's not just desperation you know, desperation doesn't always motivate it can demotivate sometimes it can demotivate people into lapsing into a more or less miserable helplessness no, at the risk, well, I've already told you I'm reading into it but too bad, the spirit is moving within her The Spirit is moving within this woman. The Spirit is the person of the Trinity at work in her, building up her courage, whispering in her heart, if only you touch Him, you will be made well. If only you touch Him, you will be made well. The Spirit is the one who gives her the trembling faith to reach out and touch His clothes. And the way Jesus reacts is kind of funny, isn't it? It sure confuses his disciples, because you can just picture it. It's like a rock concert. If you've ever been to a rock concert, especially in the first few rows, it's people like this, and, and everybody is touching you. So I'm imagining everybody's crowded around Jesus, trying to touch him, kind of you know, like at a rock concert. He, he turns around suddenly and says, who touched me? And of course the disciples are confused. You see, the crowd, how can you say who touched you? Everybody is touching you. <laughs> but Jesus knows that someone has touched him with intent. So you can imagine the scene, the crowd. Jesus says, who touched me? And the crowd backs off. And, and he looks around to see who had done it. And she, this poor woman must have been terrified at this point. She admits everything. She says, I did it. She she comes forward. And out of all the things Jesus could have done, he reacts with compassion. Daughter, he says, your faith has saved you. Not just healed you. Your faith has saved you. The word for healed can also be translated as saved. Go in peace and be healed from your suffering. Just like the paralyzed man in chapter 2, Jesus calls this suffering woman daughter. Paralyzed man in chapter 2 is son. This suffering woman is daughter. He makes her part of his family out of his grace alone which heals, which has been activated by her spirit-gifted faith. And this is far more than just physical healing. This is restoration to the community. This is reintegration with her whole family. This is union with Christ. This is salvation. And Jesus brings that same salvation, that same reintegration, that same wholeness to another family just a few verses later. He does something that goes beyond every healing and exorcism he has done. Jesus shows that he has power over death itself. To restore a family. Jesus neutralizes death of its power over a 12-year-old girl. Not even death can stop Jesus from his mission to preach the life-giving gospel of the kingdom of God, both in words and in his works, which point to the kingdom's reality. So what then? What do these stories mean for us, 2,000 plus years removed? The words that Jesus speaks both to the paralyzed man and the bleeding woman are the words that he speaks to us. Son, your sins are forgiven. Daughter, your faith has saved you. The Holy Spirit drives us to Christ so that we too can be forgiven, so that we can be made well, so that we can come to the one who transcends all boundaries to come and make us his own. This is far more than physical healing in this fading realm. This is an ultimate healing. Experience now in spirit-given faith and fully in the resurrection to come. This is ultimate reintegration into community where sin and sickness have disintegrated it. This is a warm welcome into Jesus' family. And it is at this table that Jesus puts flesh on that welcome. He gives himself fully to us so that we can experience the salvation, healing, and forgiveness that he alone can grant. The whole Christ is here for you. For the forgiveness of sins. And that forgiveness isn't just letting us off the hook. This forgiveness is life changing. Soul changing. This forgiveness is precisely the reintegration into the Lord's family that we so desperately need. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, as you impelled the woman forward to touch Jesus' clothes for her healing, so impel us on toward the Christ who has made us members of his family. Continue to whisper and work in our hearts. Amen.